This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to this podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. This podcast is dedicated to what many camp professionals believe to be the most important time at camp, no matter what you call it, staff training, orientation, or leadership training. This critical time period prepares your staff to fulfill all the promises that you make to parents and customers throughout the year. I want to go ahead and start off with our hosts introducing themselves. So Beth, why don't you start us off? Great. I'm Beth Allison. For 15 years, I was a camp director and executive director in Muskoka, in Ontario, Canada, and I'm now a camping consultant with my husband, Travis Allison, and I have a huge focus and passion for leadership training and teaching teens to live purposeful lives. And my name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. Uh, camp Waro is an all-girls camp in the Laurentian Mountains in Quebec, and we focus on uh, creating a cultural experience for both French and English uh, campers. I'm really excited to be here with you guys today. And I'm Ruby Compton. I'm the Summer Camp Program Director at Green River Preserve in North Carolina. And our camp is focused on connecting children with nature, which we are lucky enough to do on a 3,400-acre private wildlife preserve in the Blue Ridge Mountains. So this morning, our topic is teaching them to teach, specifically teaching our staff how to teach, teaching them those education and educator skills. Uh, Beth, we want to we share why it is we wanted to talk about this topic. Yes, absolutely. Um, so what we do as camping professionals is so much more than helping children just to have fun. Of course, that's a big component of what we do, but it's not why we do it. So we'll discuss that a whole lot more in our next podcast, actually. Um, but we're at camp to develop the whole person. And those of us who believe in the real value of summer camp and outdoor centers understand that our job is to teach. We're not only teaching specific hard skills like sailing or climbing or how to do a J-stroke, but we're also teaching soft skills like communication, conflict conflict resolution and resiliency. So it's really important that our staff members understand, A, that they are teachers of every moment of every day and all that entails, and B, that they understand how to be creative, intentional, well-prepared instructors. So that's why we've chosen this topic today. Cool. And we're going to start off with just this question of what are the fundamentals of teaching? When you're talking about teaching staff how to teach, we need to start at the basis. What are we trying to accomplish? What are those basic skills that we're trying to teach? So you want me to go first? Sure. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Um, So for me, I took this uh, maybe a little bit differently than Ruby or Gab, which is great because you can get three different viewpoints here. But before you even get started thinking about teaching your staff, you need to do some evaluating of your program. So if you want to run a really intentional program, there are things that you need to think about. And the, the fundamentals of teaching with intent rely on two ingredients, purpose and care. 
So you need to decide as a camp, what are the big things that you want to teach kids? Are you a nature-based camp? And so you have skills that you really want to focus on. Are you a language camp? Um, are you a camp that really deals with kids' self-esteem? Are you a faith-based camp? So what is your mission? And we did talk about that in our second podcast. Um, if you missed it, you can go back and listen to that. And everything you teach should, should center around those guiding principles that you've created as your camp. And I mean everything. So from program areas to songs at campfire to back pocket games, all of those things should be taught without those in mind. So what do you want to teach campers and staff and what do you want them to get out of it? And if it doesn't align with your principles, then you don't teach it. So for me, staff really need to understand what they are there to teach, um, what is their purpose. And um, so they need to obviously be they fully need to understand and be well-trained on the specifics of their program area. So, I mean, that's a pretty obvious one, but if you have ropes courses or if you have uh, instructors or, you know, uh, uh, swimming instructors or pottery, then they need to be well-qualified staff because well-qualified staff means that your kids are safe, that they are learning the basics of the skill, and then they are adding on as they progress and um, to, to more advanced and challenging skills. So Michael Brandwine calls those the level one skills, um, and those are really important. We have to remember those fundamentals. Staff also need to understand, if you're uh, working in intentional camping, that they are teaching level two skills as well. So Michael Brandwine calls those the lifelong learnables. So those are some of the things I talked about earlier. Uh, patience, consistency, determination, how to work with a partner. Those are life skills. Um, and knowing and understanding that there are two levels, to me, are real fundamentals of teaching. So I would start there. Fantastic. What about you, Gab? Where would you start if you were going to lead a session or, or in the goal of teaching your staff to teach? Well, I, I think uh, I mean I think what Beth is saying it just sort of starts us off really on the right foot is is understanding first and foremost your your um, your camp program and one of the things that that I do with all of our activity heads is a, a little bit of a similar it's along the similar lines of specific. Um, you know what are what are the qualifications that you want your staff to have, and so if we if if you take the example of a you know the head of rock climbing, well I want my staff to know how to put on a harness properly. I want them to know how to do you know a, a figure eight knot, how to belay, blah blah blah. So they they list that those skills um, of exactly what they would like their staff to know how to do well, so that their kids can be safe. And then um, I ask them, so yeah, so kids rock climb. And, uh, you know, they enjoy rock climbing and, and it's fun, but how is this, how's rock climbing going to enhance their life, you know, later on? And that's the point of camp, you know, it's not just about rock climbing, it's about something that's going to help us down the line. What, what does rock climbing do for, for that? So they say, well, um, it helps them build trust between the belayer and the climber. Um, it, it lets them know that they don't have to go as high as everybody else, that you'll be acknowledged for your own efforts and and that's what we want them to do is to trust their their own efforts and not push themselves too far and so on and so forth so i say great okay so rock climbing helps with trust it helps with uh you know knowing that you're you can stop you don't have to go all the way to the top you know trust yourself um that you won't be ridiculed great so in the second column what do staff members need um to to create an environment where those campers are going to feel that. What do we need to do? And so for my for my activity heads, 
um, really what they're working off of is two simple columns. One, that they need to make sure that their staff members have all of column A, which is the actual technical side of the activity, whether that be canoeing, rock climbing, drama, arts and crafts, mm -hmm. pottery, so on and so forth. And in the other column is what do staff mem members need to model um, so that it creates the environment uh, for those campers? And how do we do that? And so just getting them to think about it on their own, share it with a partner, really starts getting staff members who are teaching, either teaching campers or teaching other staff members, to understand, as Beth just said, the intent behind mm -hmm. the activity, the intent behind uh, the skill. And that, of course, tr uh, translates into evening programs and of course that continues into when we do cabin cleanup like this obviously right. goes into everything else but um, just having them do that uh, activity and just really seeing um, the two sides the importance of both uh, you know I think is key but you yourself knowing why you know why we're doing what we're doing is is essential your own experience as, as a director mm -hmm. fantastic one of the things that you said about creating that, that learning environment, um, a, a great phrase that I've heard is you need to create an environment that's conducive to learning. And um, that is so critical for our staff to understand how to do. And I, I want to go a little more specific as far as how to do that. Um, a couple great. of the, the principles and guiding principles that I've been taught along the way as, as of being a teacher um, is, one, this idea of repetition. Repetition is so key as far as getting people to learn and understand something. And so we had a phrase at my outdoor ed center that was, tell them what you're going to say, say it, tell them what you just said. And in a lot of ways, that sums up the whole experiential education process and that we're going to brief the students and we're going to talk about this is what we're going to do. And then we're going to say it. We're going to do the experience. And then we're going to tell them what you just said. We're going to talk about what we just did. We're going to debrief. Um, but I definitely put that into play every day, uh, you know, giving schedule previews, talking about in this session, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And then we do X, Y, and Z. And then we recap afterwards. Because um, that repetition is when it starts to sink in. And so hearing it again and again and again, I think, is really critical as far as getting those fundamentals to be there. Uh, I think also asking questions and meeting the staff where their knowledge is hmm. uh, is really important. Asking the right questions. And when we're talking about finding staff and having staff that are qualified, making sure you're really asking them the right questions to make sure they are qualified and um, really judging where that. Um, that knowledge base is because as we all know the staff may in their interviews say they have a little more experience than they <laughs> do or put on their application they have done a little more of this than they actually have done and so really getting at where they are so that you know where you're starting from and and where you can push them to. Uh, Beth, did you have another, uh, any other thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it, it sort of builds off what you just said in terms of hiring staff with uh, expectations. Um, staff need to just really understand why they are there to teach at camp. So um, I think that they need to understand that that's their role, that they're not at camp just to make sure kids are safe or just to make sure kids have fun or, you know, all those kinds of things, that their role is to teach. That's why we have summer camp. Um, and it's our job to be useful 
youth development professionals, which we're going to get into detail in our next podcast. So um, for now, we just want to remember that we want our people to grow and we want to offer them opportunities to expand those horizons and try things in a safe environment that, as Gab said, um, where it's okay to fail and where they're encouraged to keep trying. I mean, that's really important because often they don't get those opportunities to try things out without somebody saying, you know, that's okay. If it takes you, you know, 10 times, that's okay. Um, and to talk to your staff specifically about why you offer those programs and what your expectations are, they have to be really clear. So some summer camps offer waterfront time so that kids can play or enjoy the water or just not be afraid of the water. And others offer instructional time for campers to pass different levels and, and get different badges. Um, so what is it that you want to teach and why? Um, and I think just having staff who are really keen to teach. So maybe they don't have all that experience or they don't have as much as they said they did. Um, but as long as they are keen and want to do it, there are skills that they can learn. Um, so they really need to understand that there are benefits, so many benefits to teaching, and they need to be excited about the joy that comes from teaching from that moment when somebody gets it, when you have made something really complex and, and made it into something really easy and memorable and how rewarding it is to see kids grow and improve. And they need to also understand that we learn something from the campers too. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes that I always used to say to staff was when one teaches to learn. Um, and, you know, kind of put that out there. So for me, that's sort of one of the fundamentals is just that, that piece of why, why do we do it? And, you know, what are we trying to get out of it? So, I kind of went more on a philosophical route than um, practical, but we'll get more practical for me in a minute. I think that that's, that's great though. Cause when I'm interviewing somebody, one of the big questions I'm trying to get an answer from them in that interview is, are they trainable? Mm, and if exactly. they're not trainable, then uh, they're probably not going to be the best on my team. Um, cause we can provide them with a fantastic staff training, but if they're not willing to do it, right. then you have an issue. And so, I mean, when I'm interviewing, it's, are you trainable and can you work with others? Exactly. <laughs> and those, and, yes. And I'm not necessarily asking those specific questions, but that's what I'm trying to gauge. Yeah. Travis and I used to do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Learning from the best. <laughs> <laughs> so Gab, what about you? Uh, any more thoughts on our fundamentals? No, I, I, I think that, um, no, I think we covered it. I, you know, basically as directors, you want to know, you want to know what you want your staff to do and why, and we have to convey it. And that's, that's basically, and that applies very specifically to teaching. And I think that why we have a whole podcast on teaching, um, is that it's difficult, uh, as sometimes as a teacher, you know how to do it, but how to convey that information mm -hmm. to, to your staff is difficult. And I think that's why we're, we're spending time on it. So I think we're, we're on track. <laughs> well, so let's move into that next question of, of how do you teach how to teach? Um, Beth, do you want to start us off on this one? Well, I think the first answer is obvious, uh, as camp people always lead by example. So if you, you teach your sessions at leadership training, how you want them to teach their sessions. So if you expect them to be on time, you be on time. If you expect them to be fully prepared, you better be. And if you expect creativity, you better knock it out of the ballpark because you're always setting that example. Um, so that's pretty obvious one, M maybe not obvious, but it should be anyway. Um, and one of the other things that we used to do, because sometimes first year staff is really anxious 
piece about that role of teaching. So start with small teachables. So if you want to put them in partners, give them two minutes to figure out something they know how to teach the other person right then and right there, and then allow them time to do that. It's a really great icebreaker. It's a great community builder, all that good stuff. But it also gets staff to understand that they can be profound teachers even from the very beginning. And they also need to understand that you can teach and will teach all the time at camp and to be fully aware of that responsibility that the campers are always learning from us the good and the bad and you then have an opportunity to debrief that once each pair has uh, taught one another and find out who has taught some really cool skill in two minutes so it could be how to do a specific knot in bracelet making it could be a few words in a foreign language it could be a yoga move it could be anything Uh, but just to start small and let them have a little bit of that practice Fantastic. What about you, Gab? Um, I was just—I like uh, what uh, I like what Beth said about uh, start small. I think that that uh, actually starting small is a very good metaphor for when you're trying to teach big things, mm-hmm. and that actually our our lessons are all very very small lessons in one sort of bigger or larger uh, larger lesson. And um, I mean, if we're, if we're just being, if we're just being simplistic in the sense that of teaching is we want to keep it as clear as possible. Half of my campers don't understand the language every single day. They don't understand what we're saying. So half of our kids are looking at us with sort of blank faces. (laughs) Um, and then the next day, the other half are looking at us with, with blank faces. So, so simply put showing what you're doing, um, is, is really, really, really important. And, uh, in French, there's a great word called anime, which in English is translated directly to animation. But but what they're actually referring to is the person that's in charge, how they get the information across. So you want to be very anime when you're doing your, your instructions. Mm. And so when you're showing the instructions, you, you're actually really physically demonstrating it. And it, it looks like a play at all times when you're going through Camp World because people are moving their arms up and down, but this is how people, whether you have a, a language barrier or not, visually seeing what, what we're doing is, is very, very important, and it's actually not totally uh, intuitive. So actually physically showing it is, is uh, really important, and then at the same time is the goal. So what am I tr- why am I showing you this? Telling people why we're doing what we're doing is very mm. helpful. I'm showing you this because... I don't, if, if you don't know how to stop in a kayak, then you might bump into somebody else. So I'm going to show you how to paddle forward and stop. These are the two things I'm going to show you because I want you to go super fast, but I also want you to stop super fast. And just telling people the reason behind what we're doing is, uh, is very important. And then, of course, letting people make mistakes um, mm-hmm. and them telling you why they think it didn't work out. So those are just like little things in the sense of starting small, and these are just little tips and tricks, but uh, a lot of staff members, those things escape them and they try to come up with big elaborate ways or they rush through an instruction way too fast. So breaking things down by showing them, uh, explaining why, and letting them make the mistakes and them reflecting, I think, are key. Nice. Fantastic. Um, I agree. I think modeling is so critical. And um, I have lots of thoughts on this. One of them is that When I worked in outdoor ed, we did staff training and we went through all the classes and all the activities that we did at 
that program. And it was awesome because it was one of the only times that we got to see each other teach. Mm. And so even as somebody who'd been there for, you know, five, six, seven semesters, it was still really helpful to see some of those classes, even if I taught it a hundred times, because that person may phrase something a little bit differently from how I phrase it. And it makes the class go so much smoother. Um, and, and I just think that providing those opportunities to see one another teach throughout the, the summer, if possible, is really critical um, because, I mean, yeah, we all get it at staff training, but then we all kind of find our little thing that works for us. Mm-hmm. And if we don't see that again until the next summer, then some of that gets lost. So if it's possible to set up those opportunities where you can watch one another, yeah. I think that's really key. And uh, I was on a phone call this morning with Matt, and she <laughs> was saying how one of the ways that, that she learns how to present great sessions is by watching what people do at conferences. And I was like, that's so smart. So much of, um, of these creative ideas that we're getting in content, it's also presentation style that we will see at conferences that is, is phenomenal. And if you think about it, a lot of times those are the people that are best of the best that are there presenting at these national conferences. And so taking some of the ideas and strategies that they use, really watching other effective teachers teach can be really helpful in helping you be effective in teaching and modeling it, but also then teaching your staff, this is how you be effective. Uh, And so just taking that time to reflect even on effective teachers that the staff have had. Think about a teacher that you really liked or you really learned a lot from. Maybe you didn't like them at all, and that's why they were effective. (laughs) Uh, But spending that time to reflect on that so that you can see that there is intention and there is purpose and there is a why that they did those things that they did. Um, and I think that can be a great exercise because everybody has probably had a good teacher in their life at some point. Um, and whether it was first grade or it was a college professor, sometime there's been somebody that they really felt connected to or felt like they learned a lot from. And so they're going to be able to, to dig a little deeper and come up with the, what was it that made me feel more comfortable? What was it that made that a learning environment? Um, and, and why is it that I felt like I took so much away and how can I then, uh, uh, mimic that? Yeah. And I think that what, what we usually hear from people that talk about teachers or professors or camp, uh, counselors that they admired and, and helped them learn a lot of the times what comes up out of that is that they were passionate about what they talked about and they took time and they cared about me to show me how to do this. And they passed on their passion, but also really tried to help me understand it. And and I think that, that helping staff members make that transition with those couple of points to, well, how do you set up your activity when campers come so that each of them understand uh, that you're passionate about this and that the staff there are passionate? How do, how do the campers feel? How do they know that you're taking time? What, what actions are you doing? Um, what does it look like, you know, taking time and, and caring? What, what actual actions are you doing? So I think that those are so easy. They're such easy things because a lot of people have references. Um, at the same time, I think it's okay to say, to think about a teacher or staff members that were not great teachers. Um, what were some of the things that, that they did um, and reflect on that? Because some of them, can be horrendous and then you bring it down a little bit and say what are what about the blah teachers let's look at the blah and uh, get them to name those and that sort of helps us prevent a little bit some of those behaviors i think too yeah 
And I think it's important to really take the time to break that down. So what Ruby was talking about was, you know, uh, ask, asking them to think about really great teachers. Um, and I've often done that exercise, whether it's in person or in fiction or in history, you just pick one, but um, ask them what makes them think they're an outstanding teacher. And they will give you a lot of words like they were hardworking, they were fun, they were creative, they were passionate, they were approachable. Um, but really being very specific with them and saying, great, how do you know that? What is it that they do that causes you to believe that they're so good at their jobs? Because I think sometimes it's really intimidating when you think of those really great leaders, you think I'm not like that. I could never be, you know, like my favorite counselor. I could never be like that person. Um, but it isn't that it's just a gift that some people are granted at birth. Um, it's, you know, if you can break it down, there are specific things we can all do to be better teachers. And I think some, especially first year staff members really need to know that, make that list and keep it handy, you know, through leadership training so that they can look at that and then give them lots of time yeah. to practice those skills during I the week. I was just thinking, I was just thinking about the, it's not just a gift. I was thinking about some directors who are very discouraged about some staff members that aren't good, um, teachers. And uh, I had a, a conversation with a camp director, a young camp director, very passionate, really skilled. He's, I'm looking forward to him having a couple more years because he's, he's going to be <laughs> uh, making some really great stuff happen. But uh, he had told me um, that, that, and he's obviously very good at giving sessions and obviously very talented with campers. Uh, but he had told me that, uh, yeah, there's just some leadership team members. I can't handle their sessions because they're so boring and they're so <laughs> lame. So I leave. <laughs> so and then I come back afterwards. And I was like, well, as a camp director, did you know that this is your responsibility? You have to if you can't sit there, then what makes you think your 17 year old male staff member or female staff member can't sit there? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes as camp directors, um, sometimes we don't know what to do with those staff members and that's the teaching opportunity but they're not you and some camp directors are very charismatic energetic um can grab attention right away and there's others that struggle with that um but there's certain things that different personality types can do to become good teachers um but camp directors have to believe that they can teach some of these staff members and of course we it starts with the hiring process but it then becomes our responsibility if it's not working then we need to it's our problem to start solving with them um and of course if they're not motivated that's a whole other story but if they're motivated um and they want to learn then that that's our responsibility but i think that uh that sometimes that gets into our head that some people are just not going to be good teachers and then in that sense, uh, that becomes a little bit the camp director's responsibility to try to figure that out. One of those skills that is so critical is communication. If you're not an effective communicator, it is very difficult to be an effective teacher. And there are a bajillion communication team building activities out there. So I think that's a skill that you can tackle, you know, when you see somebody is just not communicating very effectively, there are so many tools out there to help with that and to help teach, teach people how to be more effective communicators, which is again, like it, that's what teaching is, is communicating an idea and, and an intention and a purpose and all of those things. Um, so I think that's a great place to start because I think sometimes that's 
where people are struggling. It's just they don't do a very good job of communicating the ideas that they have. Um, I think it's it's also having those conversations, and it can be kind of difficult saying, hey, you know, I noticed that this wasn't the best session. It seemed like, um, well, how do you think it went? <laughs> you know, And a lot of times they're going to know. They're going to know it wasn't yep. the best. Yep. And, um, and you don't even have to always say it. Like they'll say, man, it just didn't seem like people were engaged. Maybe I was boring. I don't know. And that's the jumping off point to start talking like, yeah, how comfortable are you teaching in front of other people? Is, is that part of, you know, do we need to get you up in front of a group more often? Um, whatever it is, because I think if you can identify what those skills are, then you can start tackling how to get it into the bigger ball of teaching. Nice. And I think it's really important too, that if we're asking them to be well-prepared, intentional instructors, that they actually create lesson plans, things that they can go over with you, um, deciding what it is the campers need to learn in their particular program area. And for me, it was both the level one and the level two skills that they were trying to teach, um, getting, ha- um, making sure that all of those skills fell in with the guiding principles, uh, finding out from your staff, sitting down with them and asking them like, what are you using to make this creative and interesting? Um, we used to do uh, a lot of work with True Colors when I was directing, and uh, Travis and I are both facilitators, so uh, that's just a, a personality type um exercise. And uh, so we would ask them to think about all the different learning styles in the campers that they would see. So, and how will they develop each learning style? So how will they appeal to each type of camper? How will they appeal to the fun-loving, adventurous, spontaneous, have to keep moving all the time camper? How will they appeal to the the ones who really like structured learning and who are organized and who like step-by-step activities and who don't like any surprises? How will they deal with the kids who hate time restrictions or care more about cooperative rather than competitive play who are more creative and imaginative or how will they deal with those analytical thinkers who always think outside the box and like to try things all on their own Um, so making sure that they think of all of those different things um, having them figure out how they're going to evaluate each camper uh, if that's a necessary part of that teaching component um, if it's different from what's already in written guidelines like you have for swimming levels and so on Um, so you know we'd have them create their own roadmap for teaching lesson plans. So one year I told them that teaching was to die for. Um, so DIE, of course, became an acronym. Um, so they would design, implement, and evaluate. Um, and then I also think it's important to give during training your staff some time to think about scenarios in terms of teaching. So what do they do if campers aren't listening? What do they do if campers are misbehaving? What do they do if campers get really frustrated? What if they lose interest? So have opportunities um, to do that. And Gab always asks that question. She always says, so tell me what this looks like. So um, I think that that's important that they know how to recognize those things uh, because you can't always tell that a camper's misbehaving or feeling out of esteem or all that kind of stuff by their actions if you don't know what it looks like to begin with. So I think that's important to spend time uh, with your staff doing that too. Fantastic. Gab, did you have any other thoughts on on this question? No, it's great. Thanks. (laughs) Boom. Cool. So let's walk away. Drop the mic, walk away. <laughs> Done. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to talking about how do we push our staff to not only know how to teach, but to become experts in teaching. Um, and, and what does that look like, I think is a great question. Um, so Beth, you want to start us off? How, how do we get them to be experts? 
Well, there's a couple of things. The obvious one, again, is practice, practice, practice. And you've alluded to that already, Ruby. But if you expect staff to be able to belay or build campfires or teach specific songs at campfire with all the right actions, then you better give them time to practice those things and build that into your leadership training. It's key. Um, one of the things that uh, I did was uh, I ran a session myself, so I was the one leading the session. And prior to the session, I divided the staff into groups, and I assigned each group a different learning style. And so I I handed out uh, written instructions and gave them some details about that particular learning style. So I said, your group only learns with visual aids. And then to another group, I would say, your group has trouble learning by reading paragraphs of instruction. And your group has trouble focusing on more than one task for any few minutes at a time. And I didn't allow the other groups to know what the other group's learning styles were. And then I physically mixed up people in the room so they weren't sitting beside all together in a group. And I taught a lesson. It didn't matter what it was. could have been anything. Um, and... Then the lessons, of course, from that come in the debrief. So we talk about the difficulties that each of the groups encountered and what would, it, what would have made it easier for them. And then we could compile some strategies on how each learning style could best be taught. Um, so that was just a practical way to kind of give some more teaching strategies um, was to do it that way. Let them experience it for themselves. Cool. Gab, how about you? Experts, how do we get them there? Um, I think uh, I think feedback is very important, and um, creating and creating a safe environment for for feedback, and also teaching people how to give feedback mm-hmm. um, is key. So first, people learning how to give feedback, and that's and uh, uh, you know <laughs> I laugh at the uh, sort of the sandwich feedback, like this is what was good, this is what you could work on, this is what was good. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we don't really it, uh, people have gotten a little bit past that, but it's it's more along the lines of this is how I experienced the lesson, and um, this is what helped me, and this is what made me perhaps a little bit confused, or this is what I I would have liked to have known a little bit more. And you you talk about your personal experience. And that's how that's how uh, I train my staff to give feedback. It's just how you experienced it. And it doesn't mean that my good friend Ruby experienced that way. It doesn't mean how Beth experienced. But we can just learn how each other experienced. So providing a, a place for, for feedback, I think, is very important. And then allowing the person that receives the feedback to sort of express why they did what they did or why they might change what they'll change. Um, that takes a... And that's why we do team building, and that's why we do all these games to get to know you right. and build trust, because this takes a little bit of, of trust amongst people. And um, most of the time, uh, a lot of people have a hard time giving feedback because they don't want to step on each other's toes. But if you can, if you can get them to that place, then I think that's helpful. And um, I, I would really like to second what Beth said is, is give them time and let them do it over and over and over again. And that will really, really make a huge difference. So limit what you want to teach them and let them practice it. I agree. I agree. Practice is, is so critical. And, you know, I like to, to tuck it into other activities. In our ages and stages activity, one of the ones I run, the, one of the things the group has to display is teaching a skill. And that's usually, you know, like putting on a life jacket or how to sweep or setting the table teaching a skill to this age group. And so they're practicing teaching, but they're also practicing the different ages and stages, and you get a little bit of that all around. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's also really critical to, while we're modeling all these great habits, to also say there is a lot of practice that went into this presentation being good. 
Um, and you see these return staff members who totally got it and, and they're wonderful teachers, but they have also spent a lot of time practicing because mm-hmm. it can be really discouraging that the first time you do it, you're like, oh, that wasn't so good. <laughs> Um, so, or, or thinking that, oh, they, they were just born with it. They just have it. They can just teach. No, this is something that every time I give a presentation at ACA national, I practice it 45 times in my bedroom by myself, you know, (laughs) and that's, that's, it, it comes with the territory. Um, I think that that practice is also really key so that you're not as the teacher, you're not so focused on what it is you're delivering, but you're able to pay attention to the details. I think that's when your staff are experts is when they are able to pay attention to whether the kids are looking into the sun or if the instructor is the one that's looking into the Mm -hmm. sun Mm -hmm. or if the group is um, set up in a way that everybody can see what it is you're talking about. And if you're so focused on what's the next thing I'm supposed to teach or what's the next point I'm supposed to make, it makes it really hard to focus on those things too. And so when a staff member is an expert teacher to me is when I can tell they're being very intentional Mm -hmm. about the classroom management and the methodology and the comfort of the the group and creating that environment that's conducive to learning. Nice. I, I, I've done this exercise a couple of times and it's, it's only when I have staff members to, to do it or at workshops, but, um, we, I give staff members that already know the information. And, um, so what I ask them to do, I give them a sheet and it's called a, there's like a pair of glasses at the top and it's called leadership glasses or yeah, leadership glasses. And basically what you're looking at is not the information that's given, but you're taking notes on how the information is given and how the group is receiving it. And afterwards, depending on the group, the two or three people that do this exercise either present to the entire group what the presenter did so that pe- well so that people um, learned, not what they didn't do well. We, we leave that out. But, or we just have a, a conversation afterwards with the people that, are, that had the leadership glasses with the presenter and said, oh, yeah, you, you know, the group, you're, you were facing the sum. The group wasn't uh, um, very clear instructions. I really got this out of, out of what you said. And in a turn, what it is is training these guys to be leadership team members in the future, getting them to be involved in your sessions, um, and also providing feedback. And it doesn't work for every single summer and doesn't work with every group, but it's a really powerful mm. thing to do. And it's totally based on what you're talking about, um, Ruby. You know, getting them to see what you're doing beyond the instruction, getting them to look for that. And then they're part of that session too, you know? So that's something that, that's easy to do and, and people can, can do with their, the staff members that they choose that they'd like to, to participate that way. I really like that. I I saw a great kind of the flip side of that, or it's the same activity, but um, I saw somebody give a presentation on how to lead children in nature on hikes, right? And so he's like, just meet me outside. I'll be there in five minutes, whatever. And so he comes out, and then he did everything wrong he could (laughs) ever do. You know, he was spouting out vocabulary words really fast. He had on sunglasses, a.k.a. trust blockers. You know, he um, was just talking on his cell phone, ill-prepared for being outside. I mean, everything wrong. And 
Um, then afterwards we had a great debrief about all these little things that had happened. And, and there were even a few good things kind of unintentionally in there. Um, but how to do those good things well and, and things again, that your staff may not always realize are good or bad, but when Mm. you see kind of this blatant example of it, then it becomes clear. Nice. And we always used to, uh, in terms of practice, leave some signs around camp during leadership training. So I'm big on words and quotes and all those kinds of things. Um, so we would say, remember that we are currently under construction. Thank you for your patience. Um, and then change that to our campers are currently under construction. Thank you for your patience. Um, and then we also talked a lot about the fact that we are ripple makers, that we are the ones who make the ripples in the water and we never know where that's going to end up. Um, And there's a great quote, I think it's by Henry Adams, that says, um, a teacher affects eternity and one can never tell where their influence stops. So just sort of empowering staff members to be those ripple makers um, was always a big part of our training. We can. Do you have any other thoughts on experts? No, it's great. Beth, any final thoughts on, on getting your staff to be teaching experts? Um, I think we have a few more, but we're going to save them for the next podcast. So you'll have to stay yeah. tuned. <laughs> <laughs> how, about, how about you, Ruby? Do you have any more, more thoughts that you'd like to add? I love it. So good. You guys, it's so good. <laughs> So Do you I feel sometimes that, that we're just planning our own training? <laughs> That's all we're we're doing. just sitting down and <laughs> it's in my own it's training. Fair. I love having people to have conversations with because uh, you know yeah. the people in my office get tired of hearing me talk about it. So. <laughs> uh, so I believe it is time, Gab. Can you tell us what we said today? What did we learn? Uh, Yes, Um, it's in uh, three different parts. Um, So part number one is more a little bit along the philosophical um, side, but basically know the skills and know the intent behind uh, what you're teaching and make sure that your staff also know that as well. Um, Group number two is more specifics on what to do. So lead by example, start small, try to keep it small throughout your, uh, the teaching styles, Uh, modeling what you do, let them know why you're doing them, let them make mistakes, help them reflect on those mistakes and adjust, Um, uh, reflect on what effective teachers have done in the past, break it down and let them apply it to what they're doing today, make it, um, you know, real to camp life identify um, certain skills and make sure that you're looking at the ages and stages of campers and give the staff members tools on how to deal with Mm -hmm. with those campers. Um, Design and then implement and then of course uh, re-implement after you've looked at what you've done. And then to become an expert teacher, practice, 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 time, 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 learn about the different learning styles, provide feedback, provide time for staff and feedback um, allow them to uh, wear their leadership glasses, if you will, um, use physical signs around camp, and make sure that they feel empowered and know that what they're doing has a ripple effect. Awesome. 
So we want you all, the listeners, to get involved. And so you can join us with the hashtag camp code. And we'd love to hear via social media, via email, however you want to get in touch with us, um, what topics you'd like for us to discuss. Uh, If there are any guests that you want to recommend that we have on the show, we'd love to hear about them. Um, Or any great leadership training tips that you have to share. Uh, This industry is all about sharing. It's one of the things that makes it awesome to work in. Mm -hmm. And so we'd love to, to have you join that conversation again on the hashtag camp code um, along those lines we want you to know how to get in touch with us so that you can get in touch with me at beth at camphacker.tv or on our website at camphacker.tv or on hashtag at camphacker fantastic gab um, you can get in touch with me well you can see where i work at warroouareau.com uh, or you can follow me on the Twitter bird at Gabrielle Rail. Rail has two L's. Cool. And I'm at greenriverpreserve.org. Uh, I'm, my Twitter is also rubylin85. Uh, and always looking for that hashtag camp code. You can get in touch <laughs> with us with that. Uh, so, Beth, why don't you tell us what we have lined up for our next podcast? So, as I have alluded to several times and even teased you with, Our next topic will be training your staff to be youth development professionals. So excited for that one. It's going to be good. Uh, Our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership trainings. And we'd love to hear some of your memorable moments or most effective tips. You can tell us again what those are at hashtag camp code. But for today, Gab is going to share one with us. Yeah, mine has a little bit of story uh, to go with it, Um, but basically it comes from a professor I worked with uh, at Concordia University. Her name's uh, Dr. Ray Cass, and uh, her specialty is is, uh, small group leadership. And and so working with her, she had never experienced summer camp before, but what she does is very much what we do on an everyday basis, and so she was really enamored. She's quite a character, but she's... (laughs) very enamored with what we do and she came to visit um and shortly after working with her I I got a bunch of calls from people that wanted me to do uh workshops with their organizations and companies and so on and so forth but for the most part they wanted me to come in and do a bunch of icebreakers and then everybody (laughs) could feel good afterwards this really frustrated me and uh I declined a lot of them um But I think basically what I learned from her as a best practice, and this is how I was able to uh, express it to a lot of people that wanted me to come in, is that uh, the games and activities that we actually play aren't made for people to go through the motions. Um, The goal is for uh, the people that are participating to experience the intent behind the activity. Mm -hmm. And... And I think that a lot of the times, um, especially as we as we develop our skills at camp, sometimes uh, there's our go-to activities that we use. Our staff use them as well, and and sometimes the intent behind what we're doing sometimes gets lost. And uh, and as I've I've said many times, when when the first part of any any camp connecting um, has to be. Uh, a string that follows throughout the summer. And if you don't know what, what your goals are uh, throughout the summer, what you want that end picture to look like, um, I think it's almost impossible to develop those icebreakers at the beginning of the summer. So I think my best practice is inspired by Ray Cass, and it's, it's making sure that, that staff members experience the intent behind what you're doing. 
Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Well, thank you all so much for listening and please join us on the hashtag camp code. Please remember no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a camp hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The camp code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for the listening friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.